0: hello hello and welcome to the downfield shot episode two this is a podcast full of hot takes analysis outtakes and bold predictions across all levels of the world of football my name is chase gatterpy and i just want to start off by saying thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast this podcast is now available on soundcloud spotify podbean and now is on apple podcasts but wherever you're listening thank you for a ton of support make sure you guys share like follow and send in all your questions your thoughts and anything you guys want to talk about i'm going to try to answer all of the questions you guys send in if I don't send it if i don't get to talk about it now I'll talk about an episode four episodes five episode six whatever we want to do it so make sure you guys always are sending those in as always i'll be able to put the links to the profiles in this episode and make sure to check those out uh, my, actually for this episode Matthew will not be able to join me he's actually doing a lot of business stuff for his job and for his internships so I'm just excited to see where he goes with that so uh, just, gonna be, just gonna be me for this episode um, on this episode, we'll talk about uh, Wisconsin losing twice and what does that mean for them in the college football playoff, Oklahoma losing, and then high school football, Mater Day, and St. John's Bosco facing off, and a lot of talk from Mater Day's head coach about Bryce Young and what he, what he, what he brings to the table as a, as a quarterback recruit and going to Alabama next year. So uh, let's just go ahead and get get into it. I want to start off with some news. So uh, Coach P.J. Fleck of Minnesota is trying to get college game day to come to them this year, to actually this week. So uh, he wanted to hold this whole, this whole uh, spiel during a interview about how uh, he college game day needs to come to Twin Cities. Keep in mind, this is LSU and Bama week. This is for Georgia week. And uh, his, his whole argument was Minnesota is going to, is not, is not 8-0. Going into play, plain state, he was also undefeated. Both teams are very good. Minnesota has not been 8-0 and has not been scoring 35-plus consistently every week for a ton of years and College Game Day has a very historical history of going to new cities and new places and whenever they go, uh, Lee Corso all of them, they're they're always so hyped about going to new places now while College Game Day is now going to SMU Memphis I understand that and that's going to be great for Shane Bouchel and SMU and Memphis and uh, they're going to have a great time there but I mean I feel like College Game Day should have gone to the Twin Cities I mean if you ask me like That's a perfect opportunity for Game Day to get more outreach the University of Minnesota to actually see if they're they're all about. They're just kind of going 8-0 to start the season. Penn State is a big game. They're going to play. And uh, I understand LSU-Bama and with the whole Tua and Joe Burrow, like that issue, and Florida-Georgia, like that's going to be a huge game too. But Game Day has been there a ton of times. And Game Day has a history of going back to places, but nothing's the same. And Kirk Hershey was talked about when they go to new places, there's just – something different, something new about the atmosphere. So I mean, PJ Fleck had a great point about coming about making college game they come to Minnesota. And in my opinion they should have gone. But I mean they're going to go SMU Memphis, they're going to have a great time there. I think it's going to be a great time, but coach PJ like I I understand that. I, w- I wish they would have gone too. Um so on Saturday, Kentucky's playing Missouri and with the whole Kentucky hasn't having an issue with a quarterback like they've got Sawyer Smith went down and He's, he was their starting quarterback. So they moved Lynn Bowden Jr., who was a, Kentucky, a, a leading wide receiver for Kentucky. He's now the quarterback at Kentucky, and he's doing a great job. He's So, anyway, about middle of the third quarter, uh, Kentucky, Lynn Bowden Jr. is run, running on the sideline, and he's outrunning a bunch of people. And he kind of like relatively steps out of bounds. He goes like he's running out of bounds. He's trying not, trying not to get hit. And the Mizzou defender hits him late, just demolishes Limbo Bowden off, off the sideline, hits him late, and. Kentucky wide receiver Allen Daly comes in, just just hits Mizzou DB that put a late hit on on Limbo, and there's a flag, and there's kind of kind of a controversy as like why did UK's wide receiver come in and hit the Mizzou defender late when the Mizzou defender already hit Limbotin Jr. late? So there was already a flag flag thrown on Mizzou for hitting Bowden late, and then Kentucky wide receiver comes in and hits him late. Anyway, it goes on and eventually Daly puts on Twitter and the very next day. I guys, I apologize for the flag, but I got a ride for my brothers. <laughs> I understand it's a, I understand it's a flag, and I'm glad he said apply. I apologize for the flag. Um, this is where I have a tough because he's he, like, he's de- he's defending his quarterback. He's straight up defending Lynn Bowden. He's saying like I'm gonna ride for you no matter what. Like I understand there's a 15 yard penalty on sports and like conduct, but like I'm gonna ride for you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna set I'm gonna set that precedence. As a player, would I ever do that? I want to say no. I want to say yes. I would. It. I mean, that's a tough situation. But I mean, it, with all like all all respect to Allen Daly of Kentucky and going down there and uh, doing his thing and making sure he got his support of Limbo and making sure no one messed with him. And uh, I mean, I mean, UK ended up ended up winning the game. I mean, shout out UK, like they're doing some big time things now. And I understand Mizzou and Kelly Bryant got hurt, but Kentucky put it to Missouri. Now, Kentucky's not not a contender for the SEC anymore with the injuries and the loss and uh, with the loss to Terry Wilson. But Kentucky has some has has a very bright future. So I mean, I don't want to say mark my words, but mark my words with them. Um, okay, South Carolina, Brian Edwards. If you have not seen this video, go look at it right now. Pause this podcast. Go look at this video. South Carolina is playing Tennessee, and Ryan Helski throws the ball down the sideline and. I'm talking. Brian Edwards has one of the best catches I could, I've possibly ever seen, and the question I have for this is: Could we ever see a better catch than Odell's catch? The, catch against the Cowboys in 2014, where he was, obviously that's like the famous quote-unquote Odell catch. Everyone says Odell when he does this, and but uh, I mean, this this kid Brian Edwards has a very strong case for that catch. He's going up, and he's he's getting hit, and he catches it one hand. I'm talking clean too. Catches it, comes down, touch. I think I think it was a touchdown. I don't know if it was touchdown, but. Catches at the one-yard line if, if, if it's not a touchdown, and like this defender is just mauling them. And I don't know. That's that's definitely up there with the better catch than Odell. But that's that's the debate for another time. Going into high school now, modern day played St. John's Bosco in an instant high school classic. Like this was televised, and we're all we're all sitting in a hotel room for football, and we're watching this. We're all crowded on this TV, and uh, this game was unlike a lot of high school games we've seen, purely because of the quarterback matchup between the two. Bryce Young for modern day comes in the number one quarterback recruit with a verbal at Alabama, and DJ for St. John Bosco is number two quarterback recruit with a verbal to Clemson. Uh, Bryce Young was 19 for 32 for 256 yards and three touchdowns, all to Cody Epps, who is also a three-star wideout for modern day. DJ of uh, St. John Bosco threw for 312 and two touchdowns, but it wasn't really enough due to a four, fourth-quarter INT, which sealed the deal for modern day. And, okay, yes, yeah, so when, when you watch that game, like, unreal high school. There's so many five stars, so many four stars, so many recruits on that team. And just the game that was played was just unreal. Un, 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 like, unable to be matched. Like, it was just, it was a lot of fun to watch. But uh, this is what I want to talk about. The closing interview, day head coach uh, Bruce Rollins said, he was talking about Young. And he goes, this is some of the great ones you might, he goes, I've had some, of the, some pretty good quarterbacks, but this might be one of the greatest I've had. What he brings to the table is crazy. Crazy, he's taken the whole package. He's extremely smart. He just sees it. He feels it. He smells it. It's uncanny to me the decision that he makes. I mean, it was, this makes sense because Bryce Young threw a 50-yard dot down the scene to put Day up less than two minutes into the game. Opening drive, two minutes into the game, he throws an absolute dot. Now, when I now when I watched the game, I, I I came in. I was I was obviously impressed by. Bryce Young going into the game and then being able to watch him like actually play against another unreal defense, I thought DJ was going to steal the game. DJ's, what, 6'5", 240, just unreal arm talent. But then Bryce Young comes in, Redwood Alabama shows why he's the number one quarterback recruit. The decisions that he made, when to run it, when to pull it, when to throw it away, and not ever question, it never looked to me that he questioned his throws. It never looked to me that he questioned why he was throwing it or double pumped on stuff or forced a ball. Like yes, he forced balls, but they weren't balls that were gonna be likely to pick. Like he forced balls to the sideline out routes, he forced balls down the seam, he forced balls where they needed to be, and it was never a question as a viewer who understands the game of football, like why did he throw that? Oh, this is just high school, he's just giving his receiver a shot. Like, no, he gave his receiver a shot when the DJ, when the, the 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 db never had an opportunity for it so i guess the question is is this one of the best high school quarterbacks we've seen ever i mean i don't want to get i don't want to get into this cuz i'm i'm, I'm away from Matthew on friday but could you put Bryce Young on top or even with Tate Martel or to me Tate Martel is best high school quarterback of all time and we'll talk about that on friday just the numbers and people he beat doesn't um, doesn't lie but i mean if you got Tate, Kyler, and Bryce Young, who, who are you going to take? I mean, if you think about that, that's a lot of arguments for everyone. And I mean, we'll, again, like we'll talk about it more, but Bryce Young, that, that dude's a stud. If you, if you don't know who that is, go watch his highlights. You're going to be blown away. So we'll get into some questions real quick. Uh, Diego, shout out to Diego. He sends in a question. Does Joe Burrow automatically win the Heisman now with the Jalen Hurts loss? And what about Justin Fields moving to the top two spot for Heisman? Um... I don't know if Joe automatically wins the Heisman with the Jalen loss. I mean, if you, yes, okay, I understand Oklahoma lost. Yes, that's going to hurt them in the Cultural Playoff with some undefeated teams, but Jalen also had four touchdowns in the game three rushing, one passing. He also threw for three, 395 and over 100 yards rushing. I understand they lost, and I understand he had a fumble, and I understand that. But he's still playing at a Heisman level. Kansas State. Kansas State is not is not yes, yes, they're unranked, but they're not one of those unranked teams that comes in and just steals it like Purdue did last year to Ohio State. Kansas State had four touchdowns and absolutely dominated the game. But Oklahoma was in there the entire way. Oklahoma had an onside kick, they end up getting callback. They should've they they pretty much should have had. Kansas State wins 48-41, but with the way Jalen Hurts played, I don't know you can still count him out for that. If we're talking about a Heisman and what heisman trophy winner is that's a that's that's a heisman game yes he lost i understand he lost don't get me wrong that he lost but i to me personally i wouldn't put a loss as kicking out kicking him out of the heisman the way that he's played and what he's shown him able to do and the way he's carried himself like that's a heisman trophy winner Do I think Joe Burrow's number one right now? Yes, because of what I talked about in the last one with how he's he's beaten three three ranked teams. He's played well in all those games. But I don't think you can automatically give Joe Burrow the Heisman because of a Jalen Hurts loss. Now, if Jalen would have lost and only thrown for 100, had a couple of interceptions, then yes, maybe you give Joe the Heisman right out. But because Jalen lost, I don't think you give Joe Burrow automatically. And Justin Fields, oh my gosh! Let, I'll, I'll talk about this. I'll actually incorporate this into my in my week nine recap. But you, we gotta start giving some respect to Justin Fields and and Ohio State. Ohio State's the probably the most complete team we we have right now in college, in college ball. Um, we'll talk about it more on Friday. But I think Justin Fields needs to be very highly considered two or number three, if you want Joe and Jalen at number one. Justin Fields is doing stuff as a freshman, or retro or whatever you want to, whatever you want to do with that. That we have not seen in a while. He's running the offense to almost pure perfection. His QBR has been unreal off the charts, and he comes into a Wisconsin defense and rips them apart. Ohio State, Ohio State won that game, thirty-eight to seven. Justin Fields threw for one hundred sixty-seven, but and J.K. Dobbins ran for one hundred sixty-three. Wisconsin was considered one of the best defenses we have in college football period Justin Fields comes in drops 38 on them. How, how why why are we not talking about this more why are we not talking about Justin Fields becoming number two or Justin Fields even coming to number one in the Heisman Trophy that, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand how why, why we can't put some more respect for Justin Fields and we'll talk about that we'll talk about that more on Friday I understand that but just be on the lookout for Justin Fields shout out Diego for sending that question I appreciate you dude send them in as, and as all you guys just send them in all the time. Like I'm gonna talk about them. All right, moving on to D2. Right now, the top 12 in Division 2 football are either 7-0 and 6-0. Some notable names: Valdosta State, Ferris State, Minnesota State, Tarleton State, Notre Dame of Ohio, and Lenore Ryan. Um, when I'm I'm looking at this right now, I'm looking at the top 10. And the top eight have not changed. And they're all 8-0 except for. Number eight, Indianapolis, which is seven and which which whatever. This is gonna be interesting because when you look at the top two, and I'm looking at the top twelve now, some of them move, some some of them move in and out, but they're all seven and or eight and and a lot of them won't play each other. So who do you put in in, in, in the national championship? My prediction is it's gonna be Valdosta State. Valdosta State has been unreal this year. They've been scoring average about. Let me see where it's at. Forty point six a game, only allowing sixteen a game, outscoring their opponents three hundred twenty-five to one thirty-one. Like that's unreal, and it's not just an offensive raid. And it's not just a defensive raid. It's not. It's not a passing game. It's not a rushing game. They're averaging two seventy-five on the ground, and they're averaging where to go. Two forty-eight in the air. So it's they're averaging almost 400, 500 a game. They're averaging 523 yards a game. 250 on, in passing, 270 in rushing. How do you defend that? And especially when you're only giving up 16 points a game and you're scoring 40. I mean, they they proved last year that, that they're one of the best teams, and they're proving this year they're one of the best teams. Now, the teams they played, yes, they've been absolutely destroying. They've been giving up a little bit of points, but again, only 16 a game. But when you score forty, score fifty-five against Florida Tech, when you score thirty-four on some big-time teams, you can't be beaten. There's a reason number one. There's, there's a reason they have 29 1st first-place votes. There's a reason there's one. There's a reason the number two team in the nation only has one first-place vote because they all go to Valdosta State. Valdosta State has proved it last year. And they're proving it this year. They have one of the best teams in Division Two, and I don't, I don't, I don't really think there's an argument for that. Send it in if you had a, if you if you have an argument against that, send it in. Like I'll be willing to talk about it. But in my opinion, but I'd also say it wins division two national title. Um, some of the questions are who's better high school quarterback Tate or Kyler. We'll talk about that on Friday. Does Oklahoma losing make their college football run tougher? Yes, but see, I, I'll I'll wait to talk about that on Friday with Matthew. But I don't know if it puts him out. But it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with Alabama, LSU. Clemson, Ohio State, we'll see. All right, I'm gonna move on into my uh, my recap. I'm just gonna kind of read off some of the games I thought were notable this past week, week nine, and just kind of give my thoughts, and uh, we'll see where that goes. So Alabama, Arkansas, this was a big this was a big deal because obviously two is not playing. Who has the uh, ankle sprain, ankle injury, and uh, Mac Jones was coming in. Mac Jones has never started a game at Alabama. And everyone's, everyone's concerned, like, can Mac Jones complete it? Can Mac Jones do this, do that? Can he be Tua? He's not Tua. And no way is he Tua. He's Mac Jones. And Mac Jones showed up to play. Mac Jones showed up with Alabama and dropped 48 on, on Arkansas. Yes, Arkansas is not, with all due respect, Arkansas is not looking good this year. Arkansas played a very bad game. Mac Jones still threw for 235. 235 against another SEC opponent. His first ever game with Alabama. To me, yes, there's a little bit of drop off between Tua and Mac, but it didn't seem like there was like a backup quarterback playing for Alabama. Now, this is going to be big time because I actually just released, ESPN just released that uh, Nick Saban says Tua is now a quote unquote game time decision for the LSU game. But l- let's, let's let that sink in. He's a two attack, is a now a game time decision for LSU. That's huge. LSU right now is number one in the country, according to the AP top 25. <laughs> LSU's one, Alabama's two. Now, all eyes are going to be on that game to see who wins that, and we'll talk about that on Friday. But with Mac Jones playing. Yes, I'm a little bit concerned if I'm if I'm Alabama having a backup quarterback play against LSU, but with the way he's played and when he's played in the past games, like I'm not that concerned. In all honesty, you've got some of the top four receivers in the country playing with you. You've got Najee Harris, who's a top elite back, playing for you. You've and this kid's been in the program for a while. Let him play. He knows the program. He's been under the, under the same coach his whole entire career. He's been an Alabama quarterback. Let him play. Trust in him. You, you recruited him for a reason, but that's just my opinion. We'll see what happens with that game on Saturday. Ohio State, Wisconsin. Ohio State beat Wisconsin 38 7, and I honestly think Ohio State is probably one of the best complete teams we have in college football today. Period. Justin Fields came out and showed why he needs to be in the Heisman talk, and there really isn't a lot of debate about it. Wisconsin struggled passing the ball, which is obvious, and they really turned the ball over when they did not need to. Ohio State dominated and so showed why they need to be college football a contender, a playoff contender for very obvious reasons. Justin Fields through for one hundred and sixty-seven, J.K. Dobbins for one hundred and sixty-three, and I honestly, honestly think if Ohio State does not lose a trap Saturday night game like they, like they did last year, they could be one of the top teams going in the college football playoff possibly number two going into the, end of the playoffs. I really don't think Clemson's gonna lose a game, so they'll be they'll be undefeated too. But right now, if LSU wins out. Ohio State becomes number two in the nation. Going into the playoffs, they're, they're, they're number two. I mean, Clemson rolled over Boston College, fifty 7 There's no really question about that. Oklahoma, Kansas State. This is the one that we, that we need to talk about for a little bit. Kansas State won 48-41. But, okay, let's just start with this. Listen, all credit in the world to Kansas State. I honestly truly believe they dominated the game the entire game. Scott Thompson, the Kansas State quarterback, just rolled over Oklahoma for four rushing touchdowns, and that's extremely hard to overcome for a defense. When you have an opposing quarterback at home that's running for four touchdowns, that's that's extremely hard. Yes, Jalen Hurts fumbled, and I understand that, and Kansas State was able to overcome on that. Kansas State, when you look at what Kansas State did in that game, I really don't see a reason why Oklahoma really could have ever won that game. Oklahoma started out the game 17-7. to The first quarter, was it was 17-7, to right? And then Kansas State scored, scored 17 in the second, 17 in the third, and 7 in the fourth. Yes, Oklahoma was completing that comeback when they scored 18 in the fourth, but Kansas State was able to dominate the game, the entire game. And... This and this and this is this is where it's hard because with Oklahoma losing everyone's like, Oh, they're out of the playoffs or oh, Jalen Hurts isn't gonna win the Heisman anymore, Well, why not? Jalen Hurts threw for three twenty nine. Three rushing touchdowns, one passing touchdown, that's Heisman. Like I said in the beginning, like I don't think you can count out just because he lost. Kansas State straight up won the game, but Jalen Hurts did not lose. Jalen Hurts lost on the scoreboard, but he still was able to almost complete a comeback, pretty much should really have completed a comeback with the onside kick, controversy. But Jalen Hurts did not lose that game. He still threw for almost four hundred. Four total touchdowns. That's still Heisman talk. And so you wanna talk about Kyler Murray? Go ahead, look at look at his stuff. Look at look at Big Bacon, Baker stuff. They still won. They still won Heisman. so I do not I d I don't I don't really know why he needs to be out of this game. Uh moving on. The next game that we need to talk about The recap, Um, Michigan State. I mean, sorry, Michigan Penn State. Penn State with the win over Michigan State, they they're looking like a very big playoff contender. Sean Clifford with one eighty nine passing. Like Penn State showed why they are one of the best teams again. Now with the way they played and with the Tight catching three total touchdowns, like Penn State's offense is on a roll, and then with Michigan State, quote unquote, having the best team one of the best defensive lines, like Penn State didn't didn't let them prove that. Penn State didn't say, "Oh, Michigan State has one of the best D lines." We're just going to do whatever we want. They did what what they normally do, and they did it very well to perfection. Moving on, Michigan Notre Dame, Michigan forty-five, Notre Dame fourteen. Notre Dame is again, in my opinion, overhyped. Okay, well, you want to talk about uh, whatever they lost it. They lost to Georgia, whatever, whatever. In the rain, Michigan had a had a monkey on their back that they needed to overcome. They needed to come out and they needed to win a signature game for them in hopes of their season for hot rock. Michigan comes out scores forty five, and only holds Notre Dame the fourteen. Now Notre Dame's Ian Book did not look good in the game. He missed some very wide open throws, wasn't able to convert, and yes, it was in the rain. I, I don't care. When you have a Michigan team scoring forty-five, and when they have the defensive players that they have, it's very hard to beat them. Yes, they lost some games. I understand that, and they're not going to be anywhere close to the playoff or in question. But I'm I'm very happy for Michigan and John Harbaugh being able to being able to get a signature win over a number eight at the time Notre Dame team. Oregon, Washington State. Oregon wins 37th, Washington State thirty-five. Washington State should have won the game. Period. Washington State had two touchdowns, very blatant touchdowns dropped, and I'm not talking like a defender was over him. Like one of them, it hit the dude in the hands, and he dropped it in the end. He was standing in the end zone. All you do was catch it and stop moving. Touchdown. Another one, one. Another one. Gordon threw it up up the seam, caught on about the three, four, five yard line. He could have took him one more step, come in. Like even if he was down to the one, like they probably would have scored. That's two touchdowns. Washington State wins the game if they catch those two touchdowns. Now yes, Anthony Gordon threw for 406, and there was a couple of interceptions. And but I mean, one of the interceptions was not his fault. One of the interceptions was the one that Washington State should have scored on. Washington State defender, I mean, um, receiver caught it in the end zone, bounced off his hands, off his helmet, into the, into the uh, Oregon's into the Oregon defender hands, and that's turnover. But if they catch those two balls, it's a, I'm talking we we a different game. Washington State wins that game. Oregon's no longer in a playoff talk. Now, what's scary is Oregon's still one of those teams that only has one loss, number eleven right now. They could, well, at the, at the time they could they could move up. They might be one of those teams that just sneaks away in the playoffs if they keep winning. And there's a couple there, are a couple of one losses in, the, in 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 the top five. We'll see what happens. Um, Texas TCU Texas is not back. Sorry, not they're not back. TCU TCU drops thirty seven. Texas only has. 27. Sam Ellinger has four interceptions. Um, we'll talk about this more on Friday, but Sam Ellinger and Texas are not back. Sorry, they were they were never back. They had a couple of games that they won, a couple of games they showed off. They are they're not back. You can't be LSU. You can't be TCU. You're you're not back. Sorry. Sam Ellinger threw for 321. Congratulations, you threw four interceptions. Come on, yeah, I, don't, I don't see that. Let's move on. Oh, the Fighting Illini of Illinois beating Purdue 24-6. to Illinois is a playoff contender. Just kidding. But it is it is kind of funny to talk about Illinois, how they come off and they beat Wisconsin. They come back and they pretty much demolish Purdue. It was, I mean, it's kind of funny that Illinois quarterback only threw for 69 yards and they still win 24-6. Like, congratulations. Pretty sick. Good job. Good job, Illinois. Here we go. Um... Florida State-Syracuse. This is wasn't really a big game for them, but Alex Hornibrook came in and showed, in my opinion, why he should have been the quarterback for FSU this entire year. Those were 196 in a win, 35-17. There was Syracuse at home. Yes, there was some weird stuff that happened in that game and it just kind of develops FSU season, but Alex Hornibrook comes in. Those were 196 over James Blackman. Alex Hornibrook should have been the quarterback for FSU this entire year. Would they have been a... 8-1 team right now? No. Because they're FSC. They don't, have, they don't have the talent they have, they should have right now. But in my opinion, I, I, I should have believed that Alex coyne should have been the quarterback this entire year. Louisville, Virginia. Louisville wins 28-21 over Virginia. Virginia's often struggled in this game. Bryce Perkins, yes, he threw for 233. But, Arizona's offense. struggled, I mean, sorry, Virginia's often struggled this game. And there's some questionable play calling late in the game, and they I just some for some of me it, it, it it's it, it it's hard to say Arizona was a I mean Virginia was I'm sorry wow I'm looking at Arizona game next Virginia was a good team coming out they started out relatively good right but then Louisville is one of those teams that I believe in the three or f- about next two to three years they're gonna get some big time recruits and they might they're not gonna be a cultural playoff contenders but they're gonna be a top of the top top fifteen. The players they have now, especially the young back in Jamie Hawkins, running for one hundred and thirty-six, he put he dropped a hundred yards rushing on Clemson. He's Louisville's back of the future. He might be an All ACC running back for the Cardinals. Yes, okay, so I play I played with Jay in high school, and so yes, I'm a little bit biased, but looking at it objectively, Javian Hawkins is possibly one of the best backs in the ACC, and is going to be one of the best backs in college football in, in the next couple of years. The redshirt freshman, he's holding records, running for a hundred yards in multiple. I almost, I think, I think it's eight games now. He was one that was able to punch it in certain times for Louisville in order to get a twenty-eight twenty-one win over Virginia, and that's that's one of the dudes to watch out for. Moving on in the SEC, Tennessee, South Carolina. Congratulations, Tennessee. 41-21 over South Carolina, even though Ryan, with Orion Linsky throwing for 319, Tennessee came out firing. Tennessee had legit nothing to lose in this game, and they they showed it. They showed what they're not an SEC top player. They're not an SEC. They're not even close right now for this season. just, But Tennessee came out firing, and they were able to capitalize on everything they could possibly do. When you drop 41 on an SEC opponent... It's a relatively good SEC opponent with a great defense. There's something to prove there. Now I don't think they're they're too far Tennessee's too far behind right now to make it up in SEC play this year. But going off of this, this might be the spark Jeremy Pruitt and Tennessee needed to let's just say like finish their season with a good with a good way. Congratulations to Tennessee or South Carolina forty-one twenty-one. So that's kind of all we have. Week with the recap. Let's see if we have any you know, questions I want to talk about right now. No, I think we're going to wait for Matthew on Friday. Make sure you guys are listening on Friday. Make sure you guys go ahead and like and subscribe and follow this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I'll go ahead and link all the profiles wherever I can on anything you're listening to. My Instagram is chase.gadapede. This is the Downfield Shot Episode 2. Thank you so much for listening.